0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron's here. And we're going to be here. Uh, We could take a day off this week. It would be Wednesday if we do take a day off. I'm just giving everybody a heads up on that. Um, But more likely than not, we won't because it's a busy sports week. I mean, there are no games, but the NFL is proceeding ahead with its free agency, um, period, and it's going to clearly steal the the sports headlines. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. The truth of the matter is this particular month of doing shows would have been a lot of basketball and a lot of tournament, but a lot of NFL free agency like we do every year. And so that's not going to stop. And obviously the Redskins are going to be pretty active, I believe, in free agency. And the league essentially uh, made it clear <clears throat> to all of its teams yesterday, and this is something the players wanted, that the you know player-team negotiation window, aka the legal tampering period, starts today at noon, and that the league year is starting as scheduled Wednesday at 4 p.m. So we're going to start hearing all of The deals here, really beginning at noon, the the deadline to franchise tag, to use the tag, is 11.59 this morning. And the franchise tags are coming out furiously this morning. Have they tagged Dak Prescott yet in Dallas? Uh,
1: Dak I haven't seen yet, but Derrick Henry in Tennessee, A.J. Green in Cincinnati, Shaq
0: Barrett Barrett in Tampa. So there you go. I mean, everybody's going to be using the tag. I think what's going to happen in Dallas today, you know, by the time you listen to this, it probably has already happened. But if they tag Dak without signing him to a long term deal, then Amari Cooper hits free agency because you can only use one tag now. Because the collective bargaining agreement was approved by the players late Saturday night, audited overnight Saturday and early Sunday, and announced that it had been approved yesterday morning, despite the fact that 500 players estimated did not vote. You know, I mean, isn't that so typical, right? There's all this. You know, going back and forth between star players and other players about the, you know, about the CBA and whether or not they should, you know, basically have a firm stance of of renegotiating a better deal and 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 voting no. And meantime, a fifth of the players basically didn't even vote. I'm sure they were, you know, out vacationing, having a great old time, couldn't care less. Hey, whatever you guys decide, it's fine with us. Um, but that's by the narrowest of margins, still sixty votes. Uh, a very narrow margin. So those 500 uh, votes that, that were not cast could have made a difference one way or the other. Uh, but that got done yesterday. That means the 17-game regular season is in play for as early as 2021. It means that the 14-game expanded playoff format, which I think would have happened even without this CBA, is all set pretty much for the 2020 season. They set the salary cap yesterday at, a, at $198.2 million per team. That's up $10 million from last season. A little bit less than the just north of $200 million projected. I think the Redskins right now are between 40 and 47 million in available cap space. That is obviously contingent upon, you know, it could change based on what they do with Trent Williams, which would free up 12.5 million if they're able to trade him. I would expect them to restructure Ryan Kerrigan to lower the cap number for this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, when all is said and done, potentially, you know, if they trade Trent Williams, big if there, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 60 million potentially. In available dollars to spend in free agency, they have guys like Eric Flowers. They may be thinking about expend extending, excuse me, Quentin Dunbar. But then you get into, you know, what they're going to do, and we're going to bring J.P. Finley on uh, shortly to discuss all of those things. Um, you know, there was news over the weekend: Tennessee signed Ryan T- Tannehill. That means no uh, Tennessee for Brady. The 49ers said no on Brady. Um, And it looks like the Chargers and the Raiders and the Patriots now are the teams that, you know, are more likely than not for Brady. Um, You had Anthony Costanzo agree to an extension this morning in Indianapolis. So that takes one of the big potential left tackles off the market, although I don't think most people thought he would. Brandon Sheriff got tagged, um, 16, 15 to sixteen million, probably fifteen million with the new tag number, unless the Redskins work out a long term deal by July fifteenth. So tons of NFL. We'll get to all of it with JP Finley coming up. Um, look, I don't know what you guys did over the weekend with no sports. Uh, it was, it was certainly a different weekend um, around our house. You know, um, it started. I think Saturday morning, one of my boys just put out a group text, can't believe Cowan played so poorly and yet we still won. Come on, let's go beat Michigan State today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was basically and that that took on a life of its own my brother from Costa Rica got involved in the whole thing and uh and we were you know basically playing out the Michigan State game on right. Saturday cuz we had nothing else to do um it sucks that there was no hoops this week and it sucks that there was no selection show last night all of that is true um there were uh th- there was a a a true okay boomer joke um that was making the rounds Um, I I don't know if this was a social media thing among sports fans. I got texted it by two different friends, which tells me that somehow they got access to it more likely than not uh, via social media. But basically the joke went like this. Um, Day three without sports, I was wandering around my house, found this woman on my couch. Turns out, She's my wife.
1: Yeah, I, I got that from my mother-in-law. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there, there you
0: go. Um, you know, not that funny. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people hashtagged it with "boomer remover" uh, after that, which really made me laugh on Friday. Um, I did find it interesting if you were following the whole. You know, uh, should they or shouldn't they have put out a bracket over the weekend? Uh, you know, I, I was hoping they'd do it, but it really it's it's nonsensical to do it. But, man, how about that story about the NCAA considering a 16-team tournament? Yeah. You know, up until the very end when they called off the tournament. uh, Vice President of Men's Basketball for the NCAA, Dan Gavitt, told the Associated Press that they started to consider ways of condensing the tournament late last week once the NBA announced its season was over. They presented multiple ideas. One of them was for a 16-team tournament played – this coming thursday through a week from monday night they would have had the sweet 16 on thursday the elite 8 on friday and the final 4 on saturday all in atlanta so they would have played it in one destination so one travel um no fans all right and then they would have played the final on monday night uh in uh in state farm arena as well in atlanta Um, Joe Lenardi actually put out a bracket, a 16-team bracket. I don't know if you saw it. Maryland was a 13 seed playing Dayton in the first round, which would have made them the first four seed, which is where they were in Lenardi's bracket before championship weekend. That's what Lenardi did. He just took his top 16 seeds. Right. Uh, Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, said yesterday that they thought they had a shot to play the entire tournament until Rudy Gobert tested positive, and then they pretty much knew at that point it was going to be uh, over. Um, so you had that from over the weekend. I will tell you right now what I did, um, over the weekend sports wise that I really found interesting. And I'll do that when JP Finley, uh, joins us here, uh, momentarily. But since we last spoke, actually, I think it broke when we were doing the podcast on Friday at the masters was, uh, was canceled. Um, and, uh, I think we just hit on most of the major things. We're going to get JP Finley in here. We're going to talk some Redskins free agency, NFL free agency because it looks like we're going to have a lot of that to talk about during the week.
1: One real quick thing before uh, we move off of NFL free agency. Uh, Kirk Cousins just got a new contract with the Vikings. Really it happened. And he got two so he got the extension. He had, a, he had a year so basically it's two new years worth 66 million. So in addition to the year he already had. So he had one year left. Two new, year, two new years on top of it, worth sixty-six million.
0: So at thirty-three million a year.
1: So three years, ninety-six million is wow. what he has remaining on his contract now.
0: Wow. So this morning on the radio show, um, where is the uh, Ian Rappaport has it? Rappaport has it. Um, so I I had a bunch of people text me. Looks like Kirk's pulling the same bullshit in Minnesota because he's not signing a long-term contract because there were some. Reporter uh, reports over the weekend that he hadn't, and I said, "Well, no, no good agent is going to tell him to sign a contract extension, you know, before free agency hits. He's going to want to see how the market, you know, hits." And um, here it is: Kirk Cousins' two-year deal worth sixty-six million. Well, if they're going to offer that much money at thirty-three million per year, yeah, you know, which is what basically. $5 million more per year with two years deal. Is it all 60, guaranteed? 61, 61 guaranteed. guaranteed. It's signing? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not going to turn down that deal. Yep. You're not going to turn down that deal. Good Interesting. Uh, Ian Rappaport, summing up the Kirk Cousins deal, two new years worth $66 million, so three years in all for $96 million. 61 of it guaranteed it's signing. An additional $35 million guaranteed for injury, but converts to a full contract at the beginning of the 2021 season they won't cut him after year one and 61 million of course which means that basically the whole thing is guaranteed for all intents and purposes I mean, they could could cut him after 2020. Yeah, I they guess, could. I guess it said 61 million, but not one after million, guaranteeing 61 million. Well,
1: I guess the question is, 61 million guaranteed is that 61 of the 96 or is that 61 of the 66?
0: That's 61 of the the two new, two, two new years. It's 66, I, yeah, it, it was because the uh,
1: this year's already been guaranteed. guaranteed. Uh, but he was kind of going back and forth between talking about it as the full three years versus. So I just wasn't 100 percent sure on that.
0: Wow, he has broken the bank now. Yep. Many times. And speaking of quarterbacks, Dak gets the franchise tag. And Dak Prescott just gets the franchise tag, which means Amari Cooper is going to become an unrestricted free agent, essentially for people to legally, you know, the legal tampering period begins at 12 noon. Expect the Redskins to target Amari Cooper. All right, uh, let's bring in J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington. J.P., uh, how's everybody in your household? Are you all stocked up on everything?
2: Yeah, man. I I think we're in pretty good shape. We got, uh, more chicken nuggets than than we've ever had. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's going to be chaos with two little kids stuck in the house. You know, we're going to make it work.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the way, I just, I love the days of chicken nuggets, pizza and grilled cheese. And I don't know what kind of parents you and your wife are. So don't take this the wrong way. If you're among the group that is super into, you know, all of the foods that the kids eat, because I remember my wife and I making an honest effort to, you know, let's eat apples, let's eat fruits and veggies and the whole thing and all healthy. But bottom line, I had three boys and you know what they wanted? Chicken nuggets or grilled cheese or pizza. (laughs) Ultimately, that was the only way to get them to eat. Uh, So here's
2: what's crazier with with my daughter is that she doesn't like pizza and Sometimes she likes grilled cheese. Sometimes she doesn't. She's a—it's it, a challenge, man. But
0: uh, we, we so is those. she Big a healthy eater? Is she a healthy eater?
2: Um, she loves apples, so we eat a lot of apples. That's she good. Loves like English muffins. <laughs> English muffins are probably her favorite food.
0: Uh, I like English muffins. I
2: don't know if that's healthy. Yeah, they're good.
0: And I don't think there's been a run on English muffins. Although at the Safeway that you and I both are uh, live close to, and the Giant that you and I both live close to um there was no bread i I don't do people buy the bread and then freeze it is that what they're doing because you know bread is what we call in the trade a perishable item it's got shelf life
2: i i don't i want to know the size of the freezers people have because we bought some extra stuff to freeze but like nowhere close to enough of you know what is going on out there it's been kind of crazy to watch but i can't here's a grocery store tip for you kevin I don't know what kind of deal the giant buy us has with – who makes English muffins? Thomas's?
0: Yeah, Thomas's.
2: They often have buy one, get two free. Right. And that's a wild deal if anybody's in the English muffin market.
0: Um I am in the English muffin market. I'm often in the English muffin market and I think one of the reasons you get those deals at any supermarket actually is because if you look at the expiration dates on English muffins and just bread in general, that's why there are always deals on bread is they've got, you know, short shelf life and pretty quick expiration dates. So if they aren't moving per typical, they're going to throw that you know, incentive out there to move the product rather than you know have it die. I mean, there's nothing worse, and and I sort of was in this business for many years. There's nothing worse than you know eating perishable items and 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 having them not sold um, because that goes good. right to what's called the shrink number, um, the overall lost product uh, number, which isn't a good thing. But yeah, you notice that on all breads, really. Typically, there's always at some point there's an incentive to really move them.
2: Yeah. Well, if there's ever an incentive, it's right now.
0: Um, how much are you missing? Most people, I don't know if everybody knows this about JP, but JP's a, a sports fan, but a big basketball fan and a big Terps fan, too. I really, it was painful this week, and it's going to be even more painful this coming week. Um, I Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Aaron and I forgot to mention this on the radio show, and I'm going to mention it right now for everybody. So one of the stories that came out over the weekend was the NCAA extending eligibility for seniors for spring sports, and they are likely to do it with winter sports as well.
1: I didn't see likely; I said uh, they were considered.
0: I think it. it's I think it's likely. I can tell you this right now: Anthony Cowan, even if he were given a fifth year opportunity, is not coming back. No, he is whether it's in Europe or you know a long shot at an NBA career. Or you know a G League career or whatever it's called now. um, He's ready, I think, to to move on. But you're you're a big hoops fan. I mean, it just sucks because I think we had a chance to make a a deep run.
2: Yeah, I'm. You know, I don't know that they made the wrong decision, but it's just you feel bad for the kids, the coaches. I mean, as a fan, I was so excited about it. Especially if you look at, I mean, this is all. You know, hypothetical now, but Maryland could have been playing a 316 Sixteen at Madison Square Garden, right. which is a pretty pretty easy trip for a lot of us. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a shame, but I saw that Lenardi had them playing UVA in the in the second round. I would have been terrified of that matchup. So maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> take the good with the bad that we don't necessarily have to deal with wahoo fans
0: well you and i probably had they gone to the garden would have probably been sitting together because our ticket source would have been the same person and he already told me and i'm sure he told you he had us all set up for madison square garden for the regionals if maryland had gotten i think
2: that would have been i think that would have been a fun weekend it would have been a fun
0: weekend yeah because the last time in new york with friends from work was the super bowl year And I don't think Cooley and I slept for three consecutive nights. And then it was on that eh, two consecutive nights. By the time we got to the third night, I basically said no mas that I actually needed to to sleep because he's just a a tad younger than I am. Um, All right, let's get to yeah. We that was that was that was actually the most the San Francisco Super Bowl is great. The the, obviously the Super Bowls in South Florida and New Orleans are all, all always awesome. That New York week was spectacular. It was freezing cold the whole week, but it was so much fun. Um
2: Where but, was Radio Row? Was it in the city?
0: Sorry, yeah, I know yeah it, it was in Manhattan. Yeah, we were we were in okay. the city and it was uh it was basically in I think it was in Midtown. Um uh, but in, and so bad. we it, it it worked out really well. Um all right, so as we're sitting here, news is breaking all over the league. Um Prescott got tagged, Derrick Henry got tagged, Kirk Cousins just signed a massive contract extension. It's funny, JP, because you know, all the people that listen to, to to me that know that I like Kirk Cousins are like, see what your boy's doing to the Vikings doing the same thing. And I said, just hold on for a second. He's probably gonna wait a little bit here to see what how the free agents uh, market shakes out if he doesn't get the right offer. He got the right offer. Thirty-three million a year, you know, sixty-one million guaranteed, an extra two years on that deal. Um, and uh you know, that's why I don't think they're getting rid of Diggs, man. There's no way I see Diggs getting moved. Do you?
2: Uh, they've been pretty adamant that they're not going to. So I, I don't expect it. Um, I, You know, I, they've got Kirk locked in. I, I think they are kind of in that win-now situation. I mean, you know, they were able to go to New Orleans, win a playoff game. I, I think they've got to keep that thing going and feeling and, and digs are a huge part of it and no i i, I and i believe digs wouldn't mind starting somewhere else but he's got a contract and you know I, I don't think he's going anywhere
0: i think he thinks he didn't sign the greatest deal that he could have signed um but that's that's more on him And I'm sure that there are issues he has. I don't know why he should have them after last year. I mean, I know Thielen didn't play a lot, but he had a hell of a year. You know, and the team had a legit shot. I mean, if it had stayed healthy the entire year with Thielen, they may have you know, won more games and potentially won the division. But um, they're losing players, a lot of players defensively, so it'll be interesting. Let's get to to our team. Uh, So... You know, in thinking about free agency, and I want to get your thoughts on all this, but I think that the conversation has to start with some assumptions. Like, is Trent going to be there or not? You know, it's $12.5 half a million of additional money if he isn't. If he is, then it's twelve and a half million of less money. Um, you know, is Sheriff gonna play under the tag or a long term contract extension? Is Ryan Kerrigan gonna get an extension that lessens the cap hit from eleven and a half to something much less so that we can come up with an actual number? Um how have you been thinking about it? Like what are your thoughts on Trent, on Ryan, so that we can drill down to sort of a number to start with?
2: So I don't know what's gonna happen with Ryan. I, I know he talked about being open to whatever it takes to stay with the Redskins and I, I think the smart thing to do would be to extend him and lower the number this year and maybe he you give him a two year extension and, and you guarantee some of that money because none of his money's guaranteed right now, but you spread it out and, and he goes from making 12 a year to making something more palatable for them, seven or something. I don't know that those conversations have taken place because, frankly, if they had, they should have gotten that done already. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you want done before the market opens. And since he's your player and he's under contract, that you don't have to wait for the tampering period or anything for something like that. Um, you know, it can't become official until the new year, but you can get that thing done. Um, so the fact that it's not done and just in all the conversation around Kerrigan is that he's staying and he's one of the guys. I, I wonder if he's not just going to play this year on that, the last year of his contract. Trent, I think is different. I I don't see Trent playing here. Um, I, I don't know how long it'll take if it if it lasts all the way until the draft. But I mean, Trent, I think said to the post. You know, are you done with the Redskins? And I think the quote was like, yeah, basically, yes. And then his agent said, we really appreciate the Redskins giving us this opportunity to seek a trade. He just needs a fresh start. Like, I don't see how those comments play well with Ron Rivera. You know, Ron came in fresh, met with Trent, by all accounts, had a good meeting, and then it kind of just stayed where it was. We want a new deal. We want out of here. So if I'm Ron – I get kind of the posturing right now of we're not going to deal them for less than a second. We're not going to give them away. And I understand all that. But I, I think now that the CBA is done and that the league, I think the CBA was the first big hurdle for teams to figure out how much they want to pay guys. And, and then there was like the questions around Corona, right? Like, is this going to, are we going to open is the league going to open? Are we, is this happening? And both those questions have been answered. CBA is done and the league is opening. So now teams are going to have to move forward, the teams that are interested in Trent, and I think the Browns and the Jets will really be interested in Trent. If they're going to go through the process of working out a contract with Trent and whatever the guaranteed money is going to look like, I mean, you saw Anthony Anthony Costanzo for the Colts just got, I think, 32 mil guaranteed two years and 16. Um, everybody talks about the Lane Johnson deal, but even a dude like Cassano who's good, but he's not on that elite tier of tackle, is getting big money. I, I think if a team is willing to guarantee Trent, say it's $38 million for two years on a three-year contract extension, I, I think that team is going to be willing to give up a third and a fourth or, or, or some sort of package that will satisfy the Redskins.
0: What do you think the package that satisfies the Redskins is now?
2: A second, oh, I mean, I don't know. If you, there was a report out in New York, Ralph Aciano, that was uh, two thirds. The Jets have two third-round picks. I think the Browns have two third-round picks. Also, I also think another team will emerge as, as this thing keeps going, and you know what happened as, as free agency plays out a little bit. I think the Skins would love to have it done, but it, it's a complex. A lot of things need to happen. Getting and and maybe the market. The there are plenty of NFL teams that want Trent Williams. Right, he's a really good player. Um, don't let it be forgotten that the new CBA no longer really tests for pot anymore. So one thing that it cost Trent games in the past is, is off the yeah, table. Good point. Um, so that you know he he should be healthy. I mean he had the cancer scare, but his body hasn't taken any on-field action in over a year. So uh, there's certainly a market for Trent Williams, but is that market at what he thinks he should be paid and then that team has to give up a draft pick? It complicates it. It's a complicated matter.
0: Yeah, my position is this. Um, if they don't get back what they want and what they should get back for a player of his caliber, which to me right now, based on the leverage they have compared to what they did have. I think they would have gotten more previously, and we can debate that until the cows come home. The bottom line is they never made him available, so we'll never really know what he could have brought back. But to me, it's a second-round pick, and it's the top half of the second round. And if they don't get that back, there's no way Trent's going to sit twenty twenty he he can't i would imagine at some point you get to the point where you can't afford to just throw millions of dollars away anymore but beyond that you know if he wants to get a big deal next year he's got to play this year he can't sit out two years in a row so my position in Is this, is that, you know, it was petty and personal, as we both know, for too long, right? Now it's just business. And Ron Rivera can look Trent Williams and his agent in the eye and say, look, I can't, I've got nothing to do with the past, man. I got to do what's best for us. I can't give you away that if we I'm not I'm, we're not in the business of giving players like you away for 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 less than what we think you're worth. So if we don't get back what we want, come play for us, play your ass off in a contract year and you know and then you'll you know be a free agent next year. You certain, you know, I mean the Redskins could conceivably franchise tag him next year, but I I think the chances of him playing for them while I thought they were 0 are, are are much higher than zero now. Like, there's a one-in-five chance he could play for them next year because no one's going to pay him what he wants and nobody's going to give the Redskins what they want.
2: I don't know if I would go that high. I, I think the scenario you laid out is what's going to happen with Quentin Dunbar. I think he's going to play and then go to free agency next year and look to get paid. Um, I, Ron Rivera has said... I mean, he told a story to Mike Silver. That, I don't know if you I, read that. Yeah, Mike I read
0: story. it. I read it. You're, basically it, you're it, either it, in or out, and if you're out, see ya. You know, he, right?
2: I I just I don't see I don't see that all happening, and I don't think an unhappy Trent is a is a good thing for a team rebuilding, trying to change their culture. Um, I, I could be wrong. I I wouldn't go as high as twenty percent. I. I I, I'm not going to rule it out, but I, I think it's five, ten. I mean, Trent already sat out a year. You know what I mean?
0: Like JP, he can't sit. He can't sit out another year. I personally, I don't think he can afford to sit out another year.
2: That that could well be true. I, I do think that CBA um, just changed some stuff about contract holdouts that make it hard, harder to do. That the fines that players accrue cannot be waived anymore. Um, so that's an interesting kind of sub. Waved wave by I just, the team, right? Because what happens most of the time is these guys rack up fine, and right. then they get waived. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I just, I just see this thing moving on. I, you know, I, 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 talking with some folks and just understanding the situation. I, I just, if you're going to 20, percent maybe I'll meet you halfway and say there's a 10 percent chance he sticks around. And you're right. Like, I don't know that I see him not playing, but maybe maybe there's a situation where he can go somewhere and play the last year on that deal, and then the Skins can get – and then that team will be willing to give up more draft compensation because, you know, it, they don't have to shell out all the cash. I, I don't know. It's, Look, two, uh,
0: two-thirds is better than a third. Two-thirds essentially equals a second, depending on where they are. So – uh, and, and let me be clear, 20% means that I think that there's an 80% chance he gets moved. Sure. But what I've been hearing is they turned him loose to seek a trade because they thought he would struggle getting what he wanted and you know he, he would have uh, the, the realization of what the market value really was and that they're not giving him away. You know, the, I, I remember reading that story um, that Mike Silver wrote, and I had him on the show shortly after he wrote that and shortly after the Redskins moved on Ron Rivera. And I, I, in thinking about that, I forget what the quotes are, but I know exactly the story you're talking about. I wonder if Thomas Davis or Luke Keekly had stood up in that meeting and said, yeah, we don't really agree with what you're doing. We know we were 2-14 last year. Yeah, go ahead and move me. If he would have actually moved him for nothing. You know, right. Ultimately, part of this culture re-rack um, is to you know, avoid setting the precedent of allowing a really good player to walk for less than what he's worth. I would think. But I'm with you in terms of the, the, the likelihood is that he gets moved. Um, I just personally hope they don't give in uh, and they end up dealing him for one-third. Two-thirds is different than one-third. That's twice the value that you're getting back. Um, we will still look at this and know that they made a big mistake by not moving him when they should have moved him. You said-
2: I mean, that... that at, at one point, I don't know that we're beating a dead horse, but like... They just botched this thing so bad. Yeah. last August. Yeah, once it was very clear he wasn't coming back, you got to move him, and they didn't.
0: No, uh, that's the pe- that's the petty and personal uh, part of the organization as we as we knew it. Hopefully, hopefully it's not as we know it moving forward. You said something about Ryan Kerrigan in a way that that leads me to believe that you think there's a chance Ryan Kerrigan's not back.
2: No, I think he's definitely back. Say that again. I, I think Kerrigan's definitely back.
0: Oh, you do. But definitely back at what value? You think they're going to pay him $11.5 million to play here next year?
2: I think they might work out an extension. I just don't know why that wouldn't already be done.
0: Oh, okay. When you said it that way, that I don't know why it would have been done, it led me to believe that maybe you thought it wasn't going to get done. And therefore, my assumption was, well, if they don't get an extension done with him, they're not paying him $11.6 million to come back here and play next year.
2: I don't know that they're not. I I oh. I think Kerrigan is coming I think Kerrigan is coming back. I think he could have a big year too. I I, I think uh, letting him go upfield for the first time in his career and, and I, I think the defense could look a lot different. Um I but I, I certainly think Kerrigan's coming back. I could be proved wrong but but I would uh I, I feel pretty clear on
0: that one i think he's coming back too but i think they're going to work out an extension to lower the the uh the hit and extend it out a couple of years you know give him a little bit more in guaranteed money here extend it out and lower the cap hit to you know call it six seven million this year something like that
2: i i think that would make a ton of sense i just don't know why they haven't done it and maybe it'll happen before wednesday or something but you know you'd like to get that thing done before the market opens and you could start Whoever it is, they're calling, and I think you think they're calling Cooper, right? Um, oh, I
0: think they have. To, I know they have. Tar, uh, they have Cooper, Drake, and Hooper on their list of targets. Whether or not they get a chance at him, you know, it's going to have to do with his availability and his want to be here. But I do think that they're that they have interest in Cooper, Drake, and Hooper.
2: I think Hooper's going to. I kind of think that cost is going to go too high.
0: What do you think um, it goes to?
2: Well, I, I think, it's, I think it's at least 11 and maybe yeah, more if there's I more agree. interest from multiple teams. But here's the crazy part about being scared off at 11. Say they pay him 12. Say yeah. they pay Austin Hoover 12, $12 million a year. That would still be less than they paid to Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed in 2019. Right, like combined. They'll be lowering the cost at that position. Yes. And uh, I, I think unless you don't think he is the guy, unless you just think he is a good player coming to market at the right time at a relatively weak position group, if that's the case, then you don't go to the top of the market for him. But if you think he can play and you're scared off by the number and you look at how you've been running the numbers at that position anyway, you look at just what you cleared by releasing Jordan Reed for the year, I think that'd be a little – I think it would be short-sighted. Um, Cooper, I have a feeling Jerry tries to keep him. I don't know. But, oh, I do, I, I do um, too.
0: But he's, but you know, as of now, it looks like he's going to make it to unrestricted free agency. As we know, that doesn't mean that he won't re-sign with his former team. Um, I just I think here, here. I had a go ahead. Just to your point about
2: Cooper, Hooper, Drake. You're talking about speed guys and guys that can make plays down the field, and, and you know, tight ends a little bit different. But he can he can be on the field all three all three downs for you. He can block. Um, I, this is not. This is fairly obvious, but I did have a Redskins decision maker tell me in Indy, we need playmakers all over the field. Yep. And, and I think if you put Cooper out there with McLaurin and Steve Sims, all of a sudden, I, I, I kind of was going through some notes over the weekend, and I kept going back to this one quote from Ron Rivera. Now he was talking about why he would have no problem adding Chase Young to a defensive front that they've already used a lot of first-round picks on, right? And he said, that "There's." Something to the effect of "There's nothing wrong with making your strength stronger," and I, I kind of think about that with adding Cooper. To me, wideout's not the position to break the bank on, but if if you think a player changes dynamically what you can do on the field, then, then it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I I think that um I think that they believe that they can turn this thing around relatively quickly and that their coaching defensively is going to make a significant impact and adding chase young in the draft will be an immediate major impact player that it would, that, that will make everybody else better. And what, you know, the, that the aggression in free agency will be specifically, um, you know, tailored to, or, or the goal will be in addition. I mean, we know they need a corner. They need probably another safety. Potentially. We, we understand that they could need two corners. Um, but that they they need weapons and pieces around Dwayne, and that's yep. they need more playmakers on offense so that they don't have to rely. If that defense is coached up and is better, they don't want to put the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one seasons in the hands of a quarterback that's not ready with no weapons. So I I think yep. that I think it's the I think that's where the you know the Cooper Drake. Hooper, and potentially others, you know, uh, other playmakers offensively. I think that's where that sort of comes from, is this notion, their their internal notion that they've got to add weapons to give Dwayne a shot, uh, give him a legitimate chance.
2: I think that's fair and accurate. Uh, I I do think the defense should be much improved right away, but they're also going to have to sign some corners. There's there's money they're going to have to spend on the defensive side of the ball. I think at corner, I, I think they need some linebackers. I, I think there's some veteran guys you can sign. I'm not saying go to 14 mil a year for Corey Littleton or something, but that the, the coaching should be better and the defense should be better, but they still, outside of the, the defensive front, they're not particularly talented. And, and I know people don't like to hear that, but, I mean, Landon Collins is good. And, and I think Quentin Dunbar when he's healthy is quite good, but that's the list.
0: All right. Um, you've got to run. Give me three names that you think they'll target and they'll be successful or have a really good chance of successfully signing.
2: Um, I, I certainly think Hooper is one of them. Um, I, I think they're going to make a run at it. I just don't know how much the money is. I, I think similarly with James Bradbury, uh, the corner that we've all heard a lot of talk about. Um and then after that it's just it gets tough because you you're kinda throwing names at out of hats, but I, I think um Trey Boston's a guy that can make some sense for them. He's played for Rivera, he's he's bounced around a, a fair amount, he's never really gotten a long term deal. I don't know how much it'll cost him. But I'm really curious, like you said, Kevin, just to they need playmakers. You know, the coaches are saying that. the the, the decision makers in the front office are saying that. So How are you going to get them? And and you, I think Cooper will end up staying in Dallas, but he's obviously the the biggest target out there. Um, It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting time. Uh, One other name, I believe he's going to be available. Ron Rivera talked about positional versatility. Uh, There's a guy, Darrell Williams. This is like a depth thing, but he, he played both tackle spots. In Carolina, he played a little bit of guard. He's going to be available, not particularly expensive, I think. I, I think that's a kind of signing. Maybe you don't see that till next week or something, but I, I think names like that we're going to see um, as well.
0: And the only thing we didn't mention is if Trent goes, they, get, they have a need for a left tackle.
2: Sure. And, and, I mean, if Trent goes, the crazy part is that people should be looking at Jared Christian as the guy to step in there, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the team hasn't felt particularly strong in him, and I think they mm-hmm. will draft a tackle, and you look at Robert Rivera's track record in in Charlotte, and he plays rookies. He lets young guys play, so I, I would expect that to happen. I mean, I, I, think, I think Flowers is going to get more money than they want to pay because of the money they're going to pay Sheriff. So if you lose Flowers, I think you're talking about maybe Wes Martin over there, or maybe Ruye plays guard, and West, and Pierce Baker plays center. Uh, I think things will, will look different for sure. Um, and I think there will be young guys lined up uh, on the offensive line.
0: Uh, This is a great diversion for for us to have this conversation. You know I always enjoy it. At J.P. Finley NBCS on Twitter, Redskins Talk Podcast, NBC Sports Washington. He's going to be all over it the next few days. Follow him, listen to him. Uh, Great job, as always. I'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, Ken. Take care.
0: All right, good job from J.P. Interesting comment there at the end about Eric Flowers. Because I think I read this last week. This tweet from this guy basically mocking me for saying Eric Flowers would end up in Cleveland. Um, and uh, then there was reports that the Redskins were going to re-sign Eric Flowers. I have not seen that they have. Um, they still have time. I, you know, the, the reporting, the reporting's all been about Eric Flowers re-signing in Washington, but. Uh, JP just gave you that the Flowers' money may go too high, which would be interesting. Um, If it does, I would expect him to be in a place like Cleveland. Uh, And then they'd they'd have a need, not nearly the need that they'd have have at left tackle, losing Trent, because they do have a guy in West Martin that can step in there who played pretty well last year when he had the chance. A quick word about mybookie.ag. It is certainly uh, an interesting time in the sports world right now. Uh, there's no NCAA tournament to bet on. There's no NHL to bet on. There's no NBA to bet on. Um, and uh, but there are other things to bet on. I mean, you no golf to bet on right now, but there are futures bets. They're they're posting some stuff on you know NFL free agency. Um, so uh, if you're looking for a place to wager, mybookie.ag is totally trustworthy. That's what you want. All right, you want uh, you want a place that's easy to use, that'll pay fast when you win, and they'll let you bet on anything in any different way. My bookie, make them your sports book home. Mybookie.ag today. If you deposit with my promo code Kevin DC, you'll get a fifty percent bonus. That's promo code Kevin DC at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, um, so. I think in thinking about the Redskins in, in free agency, you really have to make some assumptions. Okay. My assumption is they will trade Trent Williams. Again, I would not trade him without getting back what I want if I'm the Redskins. To me, the Redskins have a little bit more leverage than most think, and I wouldn't trade him unless I absolutely got back what I want. But let's assume that they trade him because I think it's an 80% chance that they trade him and a 1 in 5, 20% chance that he ends up playing here. Um, if you assume they trade Trent, you get $12.5 million in new cap space. Sheriff, more likely than not, plays under the tag. They could, they could rework his deal or sign him to a contract extension. That could lessen the number for this upcoming season, but assume he plays under the tag at $15 million. All right. Assume they draft Chase Young and assume they're going to be aggressive in free agency. If they restructure Karen, Kerrigan, trade Trent, you're going to have somewhere roughly in the neighborhood of about $62 million in cap space. What are their needs? Well, their needs would be left tackle at that point. Perhaps another guard, uh, a tight end, more offensive skill position players because... It is true, I believe, and talked about this three weeks ago for the first time, that they are going to be aggressive trying to get playmaking weapons around Dwayne on offense. That's why guys like Cooper and Hooper and Kenyon Drake are going to be targeted if all of them are free agents. Um, corner is a need. Middle linebacker potentially could be a need because you're not sure about Ruben Foster. You're not, you don't have John Bostick re-signed. You do have Sean Dion Hamilton. I don't know what they think of him. Free safety potentially is a need, even though Monte Nicholson is under contract, and Troy Apke played some last year. So what's the plan? Uh, the plan is, I think they're going to be... Oh, by the way, we, we, we didn't mention one other need, and that other need is Quarterback. You know, they still have to add a quarterback to this roster. So here are some of the names, okay? Obviously, Austin Hooper is a name um, that everybody's going to be dialed in on because the Redskins don't have a tight end. Um, they uh, would have to spend roughly $11, 12000000 somewhere around that for an Austin Hooper uh, to sign here. Um, he's a target. You know, Delaney Walker just got cut by Tennessee if they're looking for a veteran, you know, where they could potentially then draft a younger guy later on. Um, The left tackle becomes a significant need if there's no uh, Trent. Conklin is going to probably get somewhere between – you know, 14 and 16 million a year. He's a $15 million a a guy deal. But if you're trying to surround Dwayne with weapons, you also have to think about surrounding uh, Dwayne with a solid offensive line. You can't put somebody in at left tackle that you're not sure about. Now you could go sign a veteran and draft a left tackle, especially if you get a second rounder back for Trent, that second rounder could be a left tackle to eventually become your starter. And you could sign Jason Peters, you know, you could sign a veteran left tackle for a year or two. Peters is 38 years old. He's going to demand, actually believe it or not, you know, in the 7 to 9 million dollar range more likely than not. But if you you had him in for a year and you drafted somebody, that could be a, a, the way to go rather than signing a Conklin in free agency at 15 million. Uh, Amari Cooper is going to be an $18 to $20 million per year guy. He's going to be a five years, you know, $100 million north of $100 million guy with 70 of it guaranteed. That's what he's going to be, more likely than not. I think the Redskins are going to make a run at him if he hits free agency, and it would appear as if he is. Uh, I am all for another veteran wide receiver. Not a, not an old veteran, a guy that's got, you know, playmaking ability, a guy that's played. He's played four years, Okay. Um, I I'm not going to have a problem if they if they make a splash and they go after and they sign Amari Cooper. Give Dwayne some weapons. Um, other names: Corey Littleton, the linebacker from the Rams. If they're looking for a middle linebacker, he's going to cost you 12 million. You know, Bradbury obviously. Byron Jones is too much money. I'm pretty sure Byron Jones is too much money for the Redskins. I think a very interesting name to keep an eye on is Anthony Harris. He's going to get big money and you don't invest that much money into the safety position, you know, with what they have invested in Landon Collins, but if you think that if you add another playmaking free safety to your in the box close to the line of scrimmage playmaking Safety and Landon Collins, and you've got a pass rush with Chase Young and everybody else, and you coach it up well. You know, maybe they think they can get by with Quentin Dunbar and a lower level signing at corner, maybe a Kendall Fuller. Um, Anthony Harris is going to get big money, though. You know, Uh, but uh, JP mentioned Trey Boston. Anthony Harris is probably going to get a little bit more money, not much. Demarius Randall is there out of Cleveland. Also, back to the offense. Don't forget Devin Funches, who played for Rivera at Carolina. The problem with Funchess is he really didn't play very well last year. He was hurt too, but the Colts gave him a boatload of money, and he really didn't produce. Um, quarterback. Well, they got to sign a quarterback. I've given you guys many names over the last you know month or so. You know, I think they're going to sign the true backup quarterback. I think that that is going to be the move. Um, Brett Hundley, you know Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbard, you know Blake Bortles, you know all of those names, right? That we've mentioned. How about Sean Mannion as a name? I love Sean Mannion. I loved him coming out of Oregon State. Uh, He played uh, briefly with Sean McVay in L.A. He's been in Minnesota the last couple of years backing up Kirk. I think at 6'6", 230, there's a lot of Dwayne in him. Um, Plays a a little bit like Dwayne, maybe not the playmaker that Dwayne is, but a pure backup. I had Chad Forbes from NFL Draft Bites on the radio show earlier. He actually thinks there's going to be interest in Mannion, but there's somebody to consider um, in terms of – in terms of uh, a backup quarterback, which they'll have to sign. you know. Um, so you know the the, the the bottom line is quarterback, left tackle. What are you going to do at left tackle if you trade Trent? Um, at guard, you do have an answer. If you lose Eric Flowers, tight end, Hooper's going to be a target, I would think. Um, Hunter Henry, to me, is better. I would not sign Eric Ebron. Not an Eric Ebron fan. I think he takes too many plays off. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake, uh, Cooper and Hooper are sort of those playmakers, but there are others, um, corner Bradbury to me is too expensive. Uh, so is, uh, Jones, um, middle linebacker. I would think a guy like Corey Littleton, but you've also got a guy like Blake Martinez in green Bay, um, as a possibility, free safeties, Trey Boston's a name as, as JP mentioned, Anthony Harris, I'm assuming is going to be too much money. They're going to be active in free agency. It's going to be not what it was in the snyder Serrado days. Um, I don't think it's going to be that. Um, but I do think that the Redskins are going to be aggressive and they're going to try to sign guys coming off their first contracts to potentially some big contracts. Um, anyway, uh, that's it on Redskins and free agency. You've got to see where the Trent Williams thing goes because that's a big number, right? If they can free themselves up from that big number. Um, At the same time, it creates a massive need. They've tagged Sheriff at roughly 15 million, somewhere in that neighborhood, probably 14.5 to 15 million for the upcoming year. I think they have to restructure Ryan Kerrigan. If they bring him back at 11.6, then they must really believe that he's going to have an impact as a player. Or it's Dan Snyder saying, we're not getting rid of Ryan Kerrigan. If he doesn't want to restructure, that's fine. I don't think it would be the latter. I think it would be the former. And JP mentioned it, and we suggested suggested it in the past that maybe, you know, hand in the dirt four three is better for Carrigan, and maybe his best you know season or seasons are to come, and maybe Del Rio and Rivera see it that way. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right, couple of other things to talk about, and then we will run uh, for the day. Um, so over the weekend. I you know with no sports on. I did watch. I did watch the movie Contagion. Have you seen the movie Contagion? I have not seen that one.
1: I do know it's in like the top ten of Netflix streaming now. Well, it is is... very.
0: The the stories are very similar with one exception, and that is that the virus. is much more lethal in the movie than this one is right now. But you hear, you know, social distancing, and you hear all of these things, and how important it is for now. Everybody lost their minds, and people started shooting each other, and the whole world crumbled. Um, basically, it's a it's an all star cast. I mean, Matt Damon's in the movie, and and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's in the movie. Um, it's it's a good movie. I mean, I, I, I you know, the only reason I gave it a shot is my son's like, let's let's get it on Netflix. Because you know it had, you know, huge um, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, you know, ratings. I guess you know it was considered to be a really, really good movie. It's 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 pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I I, I enjoy. It. Kate Winslet's in the movie. She's lovely. Um, Jude Law's in the movie. Um, so it was a um, it was quite the uh, the lineup. This I didn't realize how old the movie was. It's 2011. Uh, Eleven. It mm-hmm. came out. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in the movie. Yep. He's really good. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> uh, I saw that movie over the weekend. The other thing I did is I had not watched <clears throat> the ESPN documentary "Basketball: A Love Story." Mm-hmm. Had you seen any of it? I, I haven't seen it. I did see it was on yesterday, and it's it was on all weekend long. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going <clears throat> to
1: end up pretty much binging probably all the 30 for 30s at some point over the next month.
0: So I ended up watching a lot of it, maybe four or five hours of it over the weekend. Um, those of you that don't know what it is, Basketball, A Love Story um, was uh, came out in 2018. It was directed by Dan Cloris, I don't know who that is, and distributed by ESPN. It was a 20-hour series, and it featured... 62 short stories, all basketball related. Um, and it was basically the 62 short stories are delivered through 10 episodes. So there are six to seven episode, uh, short stories in each episode of this series. <clears throat> I tuned in and saw four to five hours of it. I really want to go back and watch the whole thing. And I, it looks like we're going to have an opportunity to do that. You know, the NBA has essentially said it's now mid to late June, best case. Um, so there were a couple of stories that I tuned in for and watched, and I wanted to share them with you because the, some of these, you know, are going to ring, uh, your memory and you're going to remember these. And some of you who are too young that don't remember these things, they are still very good stories. Um, one of them <clears throat> was just the story of Rick Barry in the 1975 Golden State Warriors. And the reason that that sort of hit home is because they won the finals in 1975 over the Washington Bullets. And this particular episode um was really about sort of the 1970s NBA and ABA also. And they featured, on this, they featured the 75 and 76 NBA Finals in particular because they were wild and unexpected. In 1975, the Bullets beat the mighty Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Washington Bullets, all right, with Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld and Kevin Porter and Mike Reardon and Nick Weatherspoon. And those were the first teams I remember as a kid. All right, and rooting for, they were the biggest favorite in NBA history in the NBA Finals to lose. It's still considered to be, and Rick Barry's always called this. He he played for the Warriors, the biggest NBA Finals upset ever. The Bullets were prohibitive favorites. Everybody predicting that they would sweep the upstart Warriors, led by Rick Barry. Rick Barry was a great player, a great NBA player, a difficult teammate. By all accounts, incredibly arrogant and fond of himself, but was a great NBA scorer. I've had him on the show, radio show, a couple times. He's an outstanding guest with a phenomenal memory and the ability to really tell great stories. But anyway, um, those NBA finals were supposed to be an easy four game sweep for the Bullets. Well, Golden State won the first three games, and they came back to Landover, the Capitol Center, for game four. And the story about this particular game, which is featured in this short story about the 1975 NBA Finals, is that the Bullets were so frustrated with Rick Barry that they basically had a plan to take him out. And when I say take him out, take him out physically. Mike Reardon was a small forward for the Bullets then. All right, tough guy, 6'6", good shooter, left-hander. And basically, they agreed that Reardon would take out Barry. And when I say take him out, like physically try to hurt him to take him out of the game. And so Wes Unseld, who was the Hall of Fame center on the Bullets, and for those of you that don't know Wes Unseld, 6'7", um, strong as an ox, one of the most feared players of that particular NBA era. He was no-nonsense. You did not mess with Wes Unseld. He, he, he gave you the, the most difficult pick, set picks, hard picks, had the outlet pass that he became famous for. Kevin Love's outlet pass was patterned after Wes Unseld. In fact, Kevin Love's middle name is Wesley, named after Wes Unseld. His father played with Wes Unseld. In Baltimore, Um, anyway, the plan was to take out to take out Rick Barry. But Wes Unseld told Mike Mike Reardon, "If you take Rick Barry out, Al Adles, who is the coach of the Warriors, is going to come off the bench. He's going to try to beat your ass." Al Addles was this incredibly, he was an incredible physical specimen, feared, and he was the coach. This was the matchup, first matchup in U.S. sports history to feature two African Americans as the head coaches, as the head coaches. Casey Jones was the Bullets coach, and Al Addles was the coach of the Warriors. Anyway, early in the game, and they've got the film of it, Reardon goes after Barry with a punch to the back of the head. This is the way this game was played back then. He punched him in the back of the head. And here comes Al Addles, as Wes Unseld predicted, off the bench, heading for Reardon, and Unseld, you see, jumps right in the middle of it, stops Addles dead in his tracks, although Wes said it was hard because he was a strong dude. Addles gets kicked out of the game. Reardon gets kicked out of the game. Barry stays in the game. Golden State wins game four to complete the sweep with Al Adels, their coach in the locker room, and they swept the bullets and Barry was phenomenal uh, they couldn 't figure him out. they tried to take him out physically and he he wasn 't he, he took the punch to the back of the head but continued to play and th- that completed one of the biggest upsets in NBA history. They then followed with the thousand nine hundred and seventy six NBA Finals the next year, which was Phoenix against Boston. And game five in the Boston Garden, I will just I'll just tell you, it's one of the most memorable NBA games in history. Triple overtime. NBA Game Five, 2-2 was the series. Gar Heard, remember him when he coached the uh, the Wizards? He hit a shot at the end of the second overtime after the game was supposedly over. Fans stormed the, f- the court. One of the fans took on one of the referees, Richie Powers, and punched him. All hell broke loose in the Boston Garden. It was a 9 o'clock tip on a Friday night. They set it up by talking about how drunk everybody was. Um, but anyway, if you ever want to see an incredible finish to a game, Brent Musburger and Rick Barry actually on the call, You know, Google Game 5 Boston-Phoenix 1976 and look what happened from the end of regulation on. It was crazy. So then, there were other stories, and I'll tell you uh, uh, two others real quickly, and then we'll we'll go for the day. Um, there was a lot in this, in what I saw over the four or five hours that I watched, about Bill Walton. And the, the, my favorite story about Bill Walton was told by Denny Crum. Denny Crum was the longtime Louisville coach, all right, Louisville, as they say down there. I think he won two national championships. Look that up. See how many national championships Denny Crum won at Louisville. Um, he won the the Purvis Ellison over the Duke final in 86, and I think he was the coach of the team that beat UCLA in the final. Two-time champion. Two-time, yeah. All right, so he won two. Six final fours. Six final. He's a hell of a coach. I mean, he's the one that developed Louisville into a national power. Yeah. So he was John Wooden's top assistant at UCLA during the UCLA-dominant years of the 60s into the early 70s. Denny Crump was called by a UCLA alum who lived in San Diego to say, you've got to come watch this kid. He's a redheaded, freckle-faced, you know, center. He, he's playing down here in San Diego for a public school. You got to come watch him. So Denny Crump gets in his car, drives down to San Diego to watch Bill Walton play for the first time. He had, I think he said he had 30-something points. They won by 50, and his stats for the year at that point, he was averaging over 30 a game and shooting 84% from the field. That's what Walton was shooting in high school. crum came back, told the great John Wooden, uh, Coach, I have just watched the greatest high school basketball player I have ever seen. Wooden told him to stop exaggerating, said, stop saying stupid things, Denny, come on. And he said, coach, he's the greatest high school basketball player I've ever watched. His parents are Cal Berkeley alums. And if we don't move fast, we're going to have to play against him twice a year. And that's going to be a big problem. Well, the rest is history. They signed Walton. Walton always dreamt about playing for UCLA, and they went on the longest winning streak in college basketball history, 88 games before they lost to Notre Dame. And part of that 88-game win streak included a game to start the 1973-74 season against Maryland in Pauley Pavilion. Maryland was ranked fourth. UCLA was ranked number one. UCLA's win streak at that point was 70-something games. Um, Maryland had already, you know, in being coached by Lefty Drizel, had already, he had already proclaimed that they would become the UCLA of the East. Aaron, in December of 1973, this was a massive sporting event on the national level. Maryland at UCLA to open up the 1973 season. Billy Packer tells the story about the game. It's lefty, UCLA of the East, at Pauley, number one against number four, and Maryland lost the game 65-64. to They had the ball at the end with a chance to win the game. John Lucas got trapped in the corner and threw it, threw the ball away, and they ended up losing 65-64. to uh, NC State would later go on. Um, to beat UCLA in the national semifinals, which ended the seven-year uh, national championship ch- championship streak of UCLA. The other quick Walton story was told by Jack Ramsey because they had a whole um, short story on the on the '77 Trailblazers. Doctor J- Jack Ramsey, who coached the '77 Trailblazers team, called Bill called Bill Walton the most skilled center in the history of the game. By the way, something I've heard many people say over the years, and the greatest passing big man of all time. We missed out on what could have been the greatest career for a center of all time it, because Bill Walton got injured. He injured his feet, um, had multiple surgeries, came back you know, in 1986 and was part of that Celtics 86 team where he came off the bench for Robert Parrish. Um, but Ramsey said Walton's the most skilled center in the history of the game. And then there was one more um sort of short story that I saw over the weekend, it was, it was my favorite, because it included one of my all-time favorite players, George the Iceman Gervin, who is one of the great scorers in the history of the NBA. And one of the short stories on this Basketball A Love Story series was about 1978, the end of the regular season, and the battle for the regular season scoring title between the Iceman and David Thompson. This is an incredible basketball day. And very interestingly, there's not video or film of either one of the two games that these guys played. does not exist. So in this particular short story part of the episode, it's all animated and then with the two players you know, interviewed about the, that day. So what happened on that day is David Thompson overtook the scoring lead early in the day by scoring 73 points at Cobo Arena against the Detroit Pistons. Gervin's San Antonio Spurs team played at night. They were playing New Orleans in the Superdome. New Orleans was the Jazz before the Jazz became the Salt Lake became the Utah Jazz and they moved to Salt Lake City. They were playing in New Orleans and they played their home games in the Superdome. So that's the final game of the year for the Spurs. Gervin's told before the game that David Thompson went for 73. And if he is going to retain the scoring title for the year, he needs 59 in this game. They had already clinched the playoff berth. The coach uh, was Doug Moe at the time. All of his teammates said, Ice, we're going to keep feeding you. You're going to get 59. He had 53 at halftime. (laughs) You have to understand if you don't if you if you don't know George Gervin. He was a 6-8 skinny two guard. He's the one of the greatest and most entertaining players in the history of the game. He's certainly one of the greatest scorers of all time. He had 53 in the first half. So he only needs 6 in the third quarter and he's telling the story and he said what was really cool about it, he said in the first half, Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete, played for the Jazz was on the bench cuz he had been ruled out of that game was injured. And during the whole first half he's rooting George Gervin on. Ice keep go- keep going. You get- you got to get to 59. Rooting against his own team. And George Gervin looks into the camera and said, "You know what that was?" He said that was two artists communicating with each other. <laughs> two of the greatest appreciating each other. Pistol Pete cheering me on against his own team. So anyway, he's got 53 at halftime. He only needs six. He gets the six quickly. He's at 59. So he retains the scoring title. The coach says, Doug Mo says, we'll take you out now. And he says, coach, leave me in. Let me get a couple more just in case they miscalculated. (laughs) So he got four more, ended up with 63 in 33 minutes, and took a seat. Now, he thinks had he really wanted to, he could have broken Wilt's record. On that particular night that the they were feeding him over and over again that he could have gone out and gotten at that point you know wilt had the hundred he would have needed forty eight to forty seven to tie it forty eight to break it and he said he thinks he could have gotten a hundred that night, but they were gearing up for the playoffs, and that wasn't the goal that particular night they did you know have him retain the scoring title but George Gervin, I had him on the radio show with Cooley at Jack Nicholas's tournament out in Northern Virginia three years ago maybe. Honestly, one of the greatest. There are a lot of interviews I've done over the years where I've been like, I really enjoyed that. But none that have been like when I just sat there and I'm like, wow, that Gervin was one of my childhood guys. He was one of my guys. You know, everybody was out trying to be the ice man on the playground in the suburbs. Anyway, that's what we were doing. <laughs> he was a phenomenal scorer and really never got over the hump. And it's funny because it got me looking at Gervin video and films and different shows. And Bill Simmons did this thing um, for, uh, I guess it was his podcast, but there was a video of it where he sat down with Gervin for like 45 minutes. Girvin never got past the conference finals. When San Antonio was in the East, they lost to the Bullets, the Washington Bullets, including in a 7th game. When he was when when San Antonio got moved to the West, they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals a couple of times. He never got that high profile NBA Finals spot. He did say in that thing with Bill Simmons that The closest he ever got in the biggest and the most painful loss was the seventh game of the Eastern Conference Finals in 1979 when they lost to the Bullets in overtime. And said, you know, Bobby Dandrich made the game winner to win that game for Washington. And he said, Bobby D never gets the credit he deserves. He was a great player, which, by the way, he's 100% right about. Anyway, um, I'm going to, you know, over the next days and weeks ahead, I'm going to figure out how to consume that whole... Thing because it was really well done, and I looked through the list of all of the other short stories and episodes that they have. Um, it just it was it's first rate in terms of the way uh, it's done. There's apparently a uh, an episode a twenty minute short story on John Thompson's America, you know, featuring John Thompson's Georgetown Hoyas, Hoyas, and how they redefined East Coast college basketball. I'd love to watch that one um there there's one apparently on Bobby Knight that's phenomenal um there's one on the Lakers and the Celtics that apparently is very good, but I think we've seen god we've seen a lot of documentaries on Magic and Bird you know and yeah. the Lakers and the Celtics over the years but anyway i I loved what I was watching I had not really seen any of it um but it was really entertaining do we have any news while we've been sitting here uh
1: a few things uh one is the draft which we, we we kind of had heard rumors about it but the draft is officially not going to be public it's not going to be in vegas it will absolutely happen that time though at least april that 23rd to 25th yes the 23rd to 25th um nothing too big from a sports perspective but in maryland all bars restaurants and movie theaters and gyms will be closed as of 5 p.m this afternoon wow bars and restaurants will be allowed to do uh to go service but no one will be allowed to eat in a restaurant or go to a gym
0: so i did have another conversation with my cdc neighbor yesterday you want to hear about it sure i'll net it out They don't know. They don't really know. That's the thing that, you know, we're going to be okay, you know. But the old saying, this too shall pass, that, you know, my mother's always used that expression. Well, I think this too shall pass. I'm not an alarmist. I didn't go up and stock up on months worth of canned goods and toilet paper and paper towels and cleaning equipment. We did get some stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. We got some we tried to get as much cleaning equipment as we could get. We did, you know, get a bunch of food for a few days. Um, but we didn't, you know, come on. We're going to make it. We've made it through much worse. But at the same time, I don't think that they really know for sure how bad this could get. So be coachable. You know, I mean, it's the young people that are out and about, you know, they got to be. And that's why they're probably closing these restaurants and bars down, because Saturday night, my oldest son went out to dinner downtown and said the place places were packed mm-hmm. downtown. And it's, you know, I, I, look, I think if I were their age, I probably would be sort of thinking the same way. I mean, we all, you know, at, at a younger age, were are much more sort of self-absorbed and less coachable. Um, oh, John Kime has this. Kime has that the Redskins are letting Eric Flowers get to free agency. So maybe I'm not going to turn out to be as dumb as Franco thought. Was it Franco who tweeted me last week telling me what a, what an idiot I was to suggest that Eric Flowers would end up in Cleveland? Um, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Kenny and Drake also got the transition tag. I know there, ah. there
1: was some thought
0: that. So what is that? How many first-rounders if you sign him?
1: Uh, I don't think it's for – I think it's – because it's the, the non-exclusive franchise. The exclusive
0: franchise. is two first-rounders on, on, the, the on the franchise. That's the non-exclusive.
1: Exclusive you can't negotiate Oh, right. All. The, the, the non-exclusive I, I, is I think the transition, sure. there is no compensation for a transition. You just have right to match. Okay. And um, another small thing, which I, I had tagged yesterday, and we can talk about more tomorrow, but uh, because Vegas sportsbooks are so desperate to get anything on the board, uh, win totals for next year came out. Redskins are at five.
0: So down from five and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're done for the day. Uh, Stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, Back tomorrow. Tommy will be with us.